thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today for Jesus the Healer. We have been starting a series. I say starting. We're well into it. So you're going to have to go back and watch previous episodes. And you say, well, you're just trying to get us to watch the previous episodes by saying that. I'm just saying this series requires it. Yes. <laughs> because we're, we're referring to something that Jesus said to me. Uh, in 2018, when I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, he came into my hotel and uh, for an hour talked to me about this last day revival that we're in, what it's going to take for us to move skillfully in it. Yes. And um, you say, well, did you see him physically? No, I did not. It was by word of knowledge, but I could tell you where he was and what he said to me. And I'm so grateful he said some things yes. to me. And so uh, what he said to me that night, I can't take the time to read in every episode. So we're just pulling out segments. Mm -hmm. So previous episodes will, uh, will cover things that he said to me that we're not able to get to today. But it's recorded. We're teaching out of my book called The Price of the Double portion anointing. When you read that title, I don't want you to be duped by it thinking that I'm saying that everyone will walk under a double portion anointing. That's not true. But I know this, every, every believer has an anointing that abides within them. That's right. And that which will uh, affect the anointing that comes upon. Now you say, is there an anointing that comes upon for those in the full-time five-fold ministry that are separated unto those offices, there's an anointing that comes upon. And that anointing that comes upon is to help them be effective in ministering to people. That is not for their own personal life. Every minister, as well as every believer, has to rely on the anointing that abides within. And every believer has an anointing that abides within you. And um, we need to become skillful with that anointing so that we can receive the greatest benefit from that anointing. And that's why I'm teaching out of the book, Double Portion Anointing, because that which Jesus talked to me about that will affect double portion anointing will also affect the anointing that abides within you. And so that's why we're teaching it. And so um, that's why we invite you to go back and watch previous episodes. It's important because the anointing of God is the power of God. Yes. We can't just handle it any way we want right. and think that it's going to be effective. Right. We have to handle it rightly. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the previous episode, we started talking about um, one portion of that visitation that night. One thing that Jesus said to me, he said, when Elisha, asked for a double portion of the anointing upon Elijah. Elijah told him he had asked a hard thing. Mm 
It wasn't hard for God to give him a double portion of anointing, but it would call for a hardness of Elisha toward his mind and his flesh. Now that's key. That means he's not going to be able to live his life like the ordinary man if he's going to carry an extraordinary power. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad that the anointing that's within us enables us to live an extraordinary life, right? And then Jesus went on and said about that. He said, Elisha could not be tolerant toward weakness of his mind and weakness of his flesh if he was to carry a double portion of the anointing. So this is where we've been camping now for a little bit. And we went to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Go with me again. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and we're going to see something that Paul said. And this is so critical. It is so critical. These are key, these are key scriptures to our spiritual development and our spiritual growth. Now, know this. When you got born again, God did something with your spirit. He gave you a new one. But now you're left with the two other features of your being, and that is your mind and your body. God didn't do anything with your mind and your body. He gave you a new spirit so you could, with the power that's in, that's, that that new spirit contains, now you do something with that mind and body based on the spirit that he gave you, that new spirit, and based on his word that is food for your spirit. Amen. Uh, and, and, and wisdom for your spirit. So we're to do something with our mind and body. Romans chapter 12, verse one tells us what to do with our body. What's that? What's it say? Present your bodies unto God, present your body. Now, if you weren't in charge of your body and it was up to God to do something with your body, then you wouldn't even need to be told to present it. But by him telling us to present our bodies to God, he's showing us we're the ones that have to do something with our bodies. Now, you say, what does it mean to present your body to God? I I got born again. Is that how I present my body to God? Well, that's the first thing you do. But from there on out, you present your body to God, meaning this, don't present it to sin. Don't present it to wrongdoing. Present it to God. How do you present it to God? Present it to his word. Be a doer of of his word. Handle your your body in line with the word of how the the word directs us. Amen. Amen. And we spent previous episodes talking about that. But now in verse two, Paul is telling us to do something with our mind. Well, what are we going to do with our mind? He says, renew the mind. Be not conformed. Verse two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. Notice how your life becomes transformed by renewing the mind, doing something with how you think. Um, if we think the old way, we live the old way. But to put on the new man, we have to have a new way of thinking. We have to renew the mind. There's a new man, but put him on through how you think and how you respond to that new man. So it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice this. This is the thing that's going to make the difference between you and the world of how you live. 
of the people in the world that are not born again, the spirit of the world, it's a troubled, it's a troubled flow, a harassed flow. People in the world without, without Jesus, I mean, they're, they're, they go from crisis to crisis, tragedy to tragedy, heartbreak to heartbreak. That's not to be our flow. We're not to be conformed. Uh, that, that flow, the world will conform you into that flow. That you gotta, you got to step out of that flow. And being born again is the first step, but that's not the totality of what has, needs to happen. He said you're transformed by the renewing of the mind, meaning if you don't do something with your mind, your, your life will look like it did before you got born again. Now, see, that's key. People say, well, if I get born again, everything's going to change. Everything, everything within you has changed, in your spirit has changed, but you're going to have to still do something with your mind and body. Um, there is no sense in living. And I, I decided this for myself. There is no sense in living troubled. No sense in it. There's no sense in living going from struggle to struggle, torment to torment, crisis to crisis, because that's not what we've been redeemed into. Well, then what's going to have to happen so that I don't live that way? This verse tells us you're transformed. You come out of the flow of the world by doing something with your thought life. That means you take on God's way of thinking. Feed his word into your spirit and into your mind until it becomes dominant. And you have to say, when I see what the word says, I choose to live that. Now, the renewing of the mind does not happen just because you read the Bible. The renewing of the mind does not happen because you memorize scripture. Renewing of the mind does not happen because you confess scriptures. Now that's part of what a renewed mind does, but that's not going to renew your mind. The renewing of the mind doesn't happen until you implement that word in your daily life, until it becomes how you live, what you do. The renewing of the mind means you're a doer. Yes. You're a doer of the word. Yes. If you're, if we're not doing the word, our mind's off. Yes. Our mind is off. <laughs> Amen. An unsound mind is not just someone that is under medical help. An unsound mind is one that knows what the word says and decides not to do it. That's not sound. That is not sound. As believers, I'm talking about. Amen. We have to catch ourselves because we all flip back to, if we're not careful, uh, the way we used to think. The renewing of the mind is your lifelong profession. You will never get to the end of needing to do this. For as long as we live on the earth, we're going to continue to renew our mind. The the good thing is, if we will do the work of renewing the mind, it'll get easier and easier and easier. And it will become such a natural flow to us that we're not having to on purpose dig into the word and say, what's the word say? We're already in the flow of what does the word say? And we've filled it. We've filled our spirits and our, and our thought lives up with it. Amen. Um, at first, the renewing of the mind, anytime you take on a new task, there's going to, if I could say this, it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy start. Isn't that right? What if you're learning a sport? What if you're learning some kind of artistic uh, thing? What if you're picking up an instrument and learning it? What if you're learning something about, you're learning a computer, you're learning a program? You will, if I could say that, might struggle a little bit at the first until you find that flow. Same thing with renewing of the mind. It might seem a little bit challenging to you at first, but if you'll just keep going. 
just keep going past those initial stages, you'll hit a flow. And that mind will come into a place where uh, it's not kicking against you all the time. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, when, with the faith that's in your spirit, um, when your mind agrees with the faith that's in your spirit, that's when the word will begin to do its work in your life. It's when the mind kicks against it and decides we're not doing that. See, you have to train your mind not to, uh, not to work against the faith that's in you. You understand that? You have to educate your mind with the words so that it cooperates with the faith in your spirit instead of kicking against the faith in your spirit. Because your heart will will believe things that the mind will go, I don't get that. I don't get that. No, 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 we can't do that. Yeah, you can do that if it's coming out of your heart. You can do that. Amen. And the mind, if I could say this, will go on tilt and try to talk you out of what you sense in your heart. Well, that's a sign. We just need to keep further renewing the mind because there comes a time when the mind will quickly agree with the faith that's in your heart instead of argue with the faith that's in your heart. You say, well, I'm living at that. I'm at that stage where it seems like my mind argues with everything that's in my heart. Well, good news. You're invited to further renew your mind so that your mind will become, it will be, it will come into, into quick agreement. Amen. Amen. The mind, you don't believe God with your mind, but your mind does have to agree with the faith that's in your spirit. You believe God with your heart. You believe your faith is resident in your spirit. It's not resident in your mind. Your mind is not built to believe God with. It's built to agree with God. And as you renew the mind, then your mind comes into agreement with the faith that's in your heart. This is what, this is where Paul says lives get transformed. Amen. Amen. I don't want to get, I don't want to be born again and then just live as hard as I was before I was born again. Struggle the same way. You're, you're the same way. You don't want that. You don't want that. Then what, what is going to take me from one place of struggle to a place of flowing with the word of God? What you do with your mind, what you do with your mind. Amen. No one can renew your mind for you. Amen. You say, well, you know, my spouse, they do the praying or they do the believing of God. Well, th- th- that's a bad habit to practice to let, to, to entrust your spiritual advancement in, to someone else because there's one thing no one else can do for you and that's renew the mind. Others might can pray, f- pray with you, but they can't pray in your place. Amen. You say, well, God says that I can get someone to agree with me in prayer. Absolutely agree. That means both of you have to be releasing faith. If one's releasing faith and one isn't, there's no agreement. So uh, someone may be an assist to you, but no one can, God will never let someone be a substitute for your own faith, for your own fellowship, for your own life in the word. Amen. Amen. Well, even so with the renewing of the mind, no one can do it as a substitute for you. You know that you have to do something with your thought life. The mind is Satan's battleground. That's what he's after. He's after to entrench you in the mental arena. Why is that? He knows there's no faith there. He wants to separate you from your faith because the things we move with God in and receive from God, we receive by faith. So we have to stay connected to our spirit, mm-hmm. not just our minds. So Satan seeks to draw you into that mental arena to overwhelm you. Yeah. Yes. Listen, you know this, the devil can outthink you. Yeah. 
Why? That's his arena. That's his arena. But the faith arena is our arena. The spirit arena is our arena. So he wants to pull you into his arena so he can master you, but you hold him in the faith arena, he's already mastered. Amen. Amen. And so Satan continually tries to draw us up into that mental arena. How does he do that? He suggests thoughts. He he gives... uh, Thoughts that are threats, so to speak. I'm going to kill you early. You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your marriage. Your children are going to, you're going to lose your children. Those are threats of the accuser of the brethren. And if you will stay in that mental arena with him, he'll run you ragged mentally, wear you out, tire you down, and you'll end up tormented. So what you have to do is you have to answer this arena, that mental arena, from the word that you put in here. And you tell him, no weapon formed against me will prosper. You can, and this is where we miss it so much of the time, is he gives us a thought or suggests a thought. He can't make a thought enter our mind. Know this. He can only offer your mind a thought. He can't make it go in. Now notice that. He can offer you a thought, but he cannot make that thought yours. Uh You're the only one that can make that thought yours. How do you make that thought yours? By turning it over and over and over in your thought life. And um, have you ever, this is a poor illustration, but I'm going to give it anyway. you, you ever run a dryer and you're drying clothes in an automatic dryer and you realize, wait a minute, I left out one piece. I left it in the washing machine. Let me pull it out and put it in the dryer. Well, if that door is locked, it won't let you in. It doesn't matter that you've got this that you want to put in the dryer. You have to stop and unlock that thing to get it in. My mind, choose to have a mind that's locked against the thoughts of the enemy. Now, if that thought goes in, what happened? That that it's like that wet piece of clothing going in, and that gets thrown into the cycle with the other thoughts, and it just the other pieces of clothing it just keeps going around and around and around. That's how you take a thought: is you let it go in and just circle through and cycle through, and go around. Uh, uh-uh, uh, keep it keep it locked and say, I'm examining that thought before I unlock it to see if I'm going to accept it. Why? Because the thoughts that God gives you, they also come to your mind, but they come up from your spirit to your mind. When the enemy gives, offers a thought, it comes from outside against the mind. So for, we have to be enlightened in our thought life, whether it's from God, what the word says, we have to be enlightened by that. Our mind has to grab it. Do you know your spirit knows things your mind hasn't caught up with yet? Absolutely. Your spirit knows things. And so when can you live out and walk out the things that are in your spirit? Your mind has to be enlightened. So the things that are, the the things that God has authored and that are in your spirit, they will float up and enlighten your mind. Mm -hmm. When does that happen? Well, thinking on the word, those thoughts come up with the thoughts of the word. The enlightenment comes up with the thoughts of the word. That's why it's so important to meditate on the word. Because in those thoughts, you'll also hear answers for your life as you meditate on the word. Uh, As you pray and you talk to God, things that are in your spirit will float up and enlighten your mind. So you have to know this, everything that comes to your mind did not come from your mind. 
And that's key for you to recognize if the enemy is trying to get in and trouble you with a thought, or is it coming from your heart floating up and enlightening your mind? Well, you say, well, I'm not sure I can distinguish that. Well, feeding on the word will help you distinguish that. Praying in other tongues will help you to be sensitive to your spirit to help distinguish that. But another way to distinguish it, uh, where did it arrive you at if you took that thought? Did it arrive you at peace and joy or did it arrive you at fear and troubling? If it, if it brings you trouble into your thought life, fear into your thought life, you know God didn't have, God's not a participant of that. God didn't author that. So any thought that troubles your mind is to be rejected. Any thought that makes you afraid, any thought that makes you doubt, anything, any thought that puts you down, accuses you, uh, paints you as a failure, that God's not dealing with you in those terms. Why? He doesn't have any of that. So you recognize where that comes from. The skill of the renewed mind is recognizing where a thought comes from. Did that come from my spirit or did that come from out here against my mind? Because if people don't recognize a wrong thought, they won't resist a wrong thought. If they don't recognize where a wrong thought comes from, they'll open up their mind to it and let it cycle around in their mind. Well, we don't have to, we don't have to let that happen to us. I said, we don't have to let that happen to us. When we recognize that a thought is not going to lead me to peace, it's not leading me to joy, it's robbing me of peace and joy, I resist it. Mm-hmm. How do I resist it? You can't outthink it. Right. Yeah. I've tried that. Yeah. You've tried that. Yeah. That's called worry. Right. Yeah. Worry is trying to outthink wrong thoughts, Amen. Yes. troubling thoughts. Yes. You can't outthink a troubling thought. You reject it. You resist it. How do you resist it? You speak. You use your authority. You answer wrong thoughts with words. You cannot answer wrong thoughts with thoughts. You answer wrong thoughts with words, and then you fill your thoughts with right thoughts, thoughts of the word. And I tell you, there can come thoughts against the mind that come with pressure. I mean, you can feel it trying to just blow after blow after blow, trying to get in your thought life. And you say, no, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. That's not my thought. That's not my thought. And you say that as much as you have to. That's not my thought. Amen. That's the devil's thought and he's keeping his own. Amen. And this is part of the life of faith. This is what a renewed mind does. It recognizes what's not, not, not of the thoughts of God, what's not going to lead you into peace. And you refuse to go into that mental arena and just hold and just be held there by troubling thoughts. Now, if someone were to come to your door and you hear them knocking on your door and you just hear them knock and you decide, I'm not, de- I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to open my door to that person. I don't know that person. I don't, I'm, they're not coming in. What do you do? You let them just keep knocking. You just let them keep knocking. Um, if you have someone that keeps knocking, what do you know? You know, they're not in your house. Just because a thought is knocking and keeps knocking, that's a sign you're keeping it out. Just because you can hear that knocking, just because it's on your head doesn't mean it, that, that's a sign it's not in. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a knocking. Then the devil will try to, the devil, why do I say that? The devil will try to accuse you that your faith isn't working or that the word isn't working because you can hear the knocking of his thoughts. Just because you hear the knocking, that's no sign that that thing's in. Don't think that because you hear it, that it's yours. That you're, it's now your thought. Nope. Because the devil will accuse you that you have failed at resisting him. Just when you're inside your house and you hear that knocking, you know this, he's that whoever's knocking still not in. Amen. So just because you can hear wrong thoughts doesn't mean you're letting it in. It doesn't mean that you're not standing on the word effectively. It doesn't mean that the word's not being effective. It doesn't mean your authority's not being effective just because you can hear wrong thoughts. But know this, they don't have to stand there all day. <laughs> you don't have to put up with bombarding, right. knocking right. on the, on, on the door of your mind. Yeah, right. You answer it that's and you say, right. get off, get off my porch. That's right. <laughs> You're not getting in my house. Amen. So get off my porch, yes. get off my property. Amen. I don't even want you on the curb in front of my house. Oh, right. <laughs> right? You have to answer it. You have to talk to it. And when you learn that and become skillful at that, life becomes so sweet in the sense of you're not being pushed around by wrong thinking. It transforms your life. It transforms how you conduct your marriage. You're not, you're not conducting your marriage based on fear. You're not raising your children based on fear. You're not handling your finances based on fear. You're not handling your, your health based on fear, thoughts of fear that, that the devil would try to threaten you with. It changes everything when you think right. It changes everything when you think right. And when people do not, um, when they don't take on the task of renewing their mind, they're living less than what God has for them. Now, don't misunderstand me. All that God provided for us belongs to us, but it's only the renewed mind that will enjoy it. Amen. Amen. Notice this, what Paul said again in Romans chapter 12, verse two, be not conformed, but be ye transformed by how? By the renewing of the mind. Can I tell you this? Thank God for prayer. There's a place in prayer, but prayer will not take the place of renewing the mind. You can spend long hours praying and still have an unrenewed mind. You, uh, having, some, having your pastor lay hands on you is a blessing, but that will not take the place of renewing your mind. Right. Having someone lay hands on your life, will, on your body will bless your life, but it will not transform your life. The, re, the transformation only takes place as you think right. And remember what Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What you know of the truth is what you're going to, is what you're going to enjoy. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been teaching out of my book, The Price of the Double Portion Anointing. There's a lot to be said and we don't want you to miss any of it. So we invite you to get your copy. You can go to JesusTheHealer.org and you can purchase your copy there. And until next time, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In this book, The Price of the Double Portion Anointing, Nancy Dufresne gives clarity on how we are to walk successfully in this era. It instructs those in the ministry, but also brings instruction to every believer in helping them to fulfill the will of God for their lives. 
Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. Come join us for our Jesus the Healer Crusade in Fresno, California at Elite Event Venue, located at 4105 West Fig Garden Drive, Fresno, California, 93722. The dates are March 25th through the 29th. For more information and to register, visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. Come expecting miracles. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.